Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 514. In 2024, Royal Caribbean is going to launch not one, but two new cruise ships, and you might be tempted, or already booked, the inaugural sailing on one or both. But what is an inaugural or maiden voyage really like, and shouldn't you book it? Today, let's talk about that. Here we go. The fact that Royal Caribbean has two new cruise ships launching in 2024 is a big deal. Usually, you only have one new cruise ship in a given calendar year, but within about six months of each other, you're going to have Icon of the Seas and Utopia of the Seas launching at the same time in the same year anyway. And this is a big deal. I mean, it's a big celebration. It means a lot to the cruise line. It's There's a lot of symbolism. We don't need to go into that. But... With a new ship, it's very tempting to want to say, ooh, I want to get on that ship. I certainly do that as well. And when you look at cruise ships and you look at maiden voyages, the allure of going on a brand new ship adds a certain checkmark, if you will, in your maybe bucket list or belt of accomplishments, if that makes any kind of sense. Because these brand new ships carry a lot of marketing and hype around them, and that generates a lot of interest. And also a lot of people want to check out these new ships, right? You've got Icon of the Seas, which is a new class of ships. And then you also have Utopia of the Seas, which, while being the sixth in the Oasis class, still has a number of new innovations that really make it interesting. Not to mention the fact Utopia is going to be offering short cruises, which makes it a lot easier to hop on board. But if these new ships sound incredible, well, you're not alone in that because a lot of people really take notice of it. But is it a good idea to book a maiden cruise? And today I wanted to talk about that. Because there are some really telling reasons to either book a new ship or maybe skip out on a new ship and wait a little longer. Now, certainly, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to book a brand new ship. Because, number one, I think being first is important to you. Among the cruise community out there, a lot of people really look at it as a badge of honor to be on a new ship first. After all the hype and teases and information that comes out about a new ship, there's definite bragging rights that come out. But saying you were on a maiden voyage, kind of like going to a concert, you know, like I was at that concert when whatever happened, right? It was their first concert. It was their most significant concert with cruise ships. It's kind of like that where you can say, oh, I was on that ship's maiden voyage. I was there when that ship first debuted. And whether or not that matters or means anything, anybody is a wholly different subject. But there is a certain je ne sais quoi by being able to say that. And some people care about that far more than others. It's also like maybe in some cases like going to a movie, right? And a lot of people go to movies when they first come out because they don't want to be subjugated to spoilers later on. They want to see it firsthand for themselves. And now being able to say that is a certain badge of honor. So again, if it's important to you, that might be a reason to book a first maiden cruise. Number two, of course, being there on a new ship or just a new ship launch is going to be really important because, you know, it does have the latest and greatest that Royal Caribbean has to offer. Royal Caribbean has been innovating its ships for many, many, many years. And it's really incredible to me to think about how much a ship like Utopia of the Seas, which is the sixth in a class, is getting new features. I remember when cruise ships came out in the 80s and 90s, they were just carbon copies of each other. Heck, if you look at the original deck plans for the Freedom class, or the Voyager class, you were seeing carbon copies. Heck, I mean, Oasis and Allure were pretty much copies of each other. There was a little slight variations, but... The cruise industry basically came out with a ship class, the first and whatever it was, and then just, you know, copied and pasted it, right? 
Well, that's changed a lot. And now, even though Utopia is not necessarily the first, there's still new innovation things that are there. And for a lot of people, you know, they place a great deal of emphasis on lace and grades. And certainly a new ship would be there. Now, another reason why you might want to book a new ship on a maiden voyage is you like a party. Without a doubt, a new cruise ship is a reason to celebrate, and the first sailing of any new ship is basically a giant party. When Royal Caribbean launches a new cruise ship, it's kind of like an iPhone launch or opening day at a baseball game. There's a lot of excitement and pop and circumstance surrounding the ship's launch. You'll find a ton of Royal Caribbean top executives on board, and that kind of adds to the ashe, if you will, of being on a new ship launch. Likewise, a lot of cruise fans will flock to a brand new ship launch because it's an opportunity to see friends. It's kind of like high school reunion meets birthday party, that kind of a vibe on there. There can be extra events on board and some sweet swag as well. Another reason why a new ship launch may be of interest to you are the crew members that are on board. Because when Royal Caribbean launches a new ship like Icon or Utopia, they will source the best cruise ship crew members out there to staff it up it's kind of like uh for crew members a challenge because a new ship you gotta get the whole routine down and with the ship like icon of the seas which is a brand new class there isn't a whole game plan already set up like you have with utopia of the seas regardless of that fact royal Caribbean wants to put its best foot forward and so they will look to some of its top crew members to apply to come over there if that makes sense now that isn't to say that if you're on you know, Mariner of the Seas or Freedom of the Seas, you're getting not the best crew members out there. Some crew members are really good and have no interest in going to a new ship because of the challenges it provides, but some other crew members really relish in that. And I think, in based on what I've seen from new ship launches, is you do get a nice smattering, if you will, of some of the best crew members uh, across Royal Caribbean because they have to apply it in order to get in there. It's not just anybody that goes in. Uh, there is a certain challenge that comes with it, and I think Royal Caribbean certainly recognized that. Another reason to book a maiden voyage is, well, there's no wear and tear, because I think one of the most common concerns I read about is somebody saying, oh, I'm going on such and such ship. You know, is it dated? Is it Does it need repairs or anything like that? Because that's not going to be the case with a brand new ship. A new cruise ship has no wear and tear. Every aspect of it is really in never been used pristine condition. The beds are new. Decorations are contemporary, and the menus reflect some of the trends we see today. So you're never going to get on a new ship and say, boy, this is really, you know, dated or needs updating. It's brand new. So why shouldn't you book a maiden voyage? That's also maybe what you're thinking at this point. And there's a lot of good reasons, actually, to skip a maiden voyage, depending on your perspective. Number one, if you want everything ready and working for your cruise, that may not be the case with a maiden voyage, because new cruise ships aren't always totally complete when they launch. The ship will be functional and perfectly safe to sail on, but not every feature or offering may be ready for the first sailing. There's a lot of pressure to get the ship out and sailing on time, and sometimes there could be a venue or a show that's not quite ready for the first sailing. This is especially true today because of supply chain issues and a variety of other challenges that are out there. Most commonly, the full lineup of shows may not be ready for the first sailing. As an example, Effectors wasn't ready for many months after Wonder of the Seas launched. Oh, and of course, despite this, you know, missing out on maybe this feature or this venue not being available, you're still paying the same price whether or not all the shows are there. So there's no discount if you're missing out on this show or this particular venue is not operational. So if you'd be disappointed, 
not to be able to experience every single feature promoted with a new ship because it's not ready yet, well, then maybe a new ship isn't worth it for you and you should skip out on that. Another really good reason not to go on a maiden voyage is the price tag because without a doubt, a cruise on a brand new ship is going to cost more than other ships. You definitely pay a premium for sailing on a new ship compared to older ships, and that gap is substantial. If you look at the pricing for Icon of the Seas or Utopia of the Seas, especially the inaugural sailing compared to even the sailing right after that, it's a real night and day difference. Not only that, prices for add-ons like a drink package or a cabana perfect day Coco Key will cost more in a new ship than an old ship. And then, of course, there's always the risk of there being a delay. So, of course, Royal Caribbean puts out their, you know, ships for booking months, if not years in advance to book it. But there simply could be a delay with the construction of a ship. Cruise ship construction is a well-thought-out process, but there's plenty of examples of new ship launches being pushed back. And this certainly happened during the pandemic with some of Royal Caribbean ships out there. While there's no reason to believe, by the way, that Icon or Utopia is going to be delayed by any means, it certainly could happen as something to think about before you book your cruise. I mean, it's a risk. And obviously, if Royal Caribbean were to cancel cruises, I mean, you're not out any money. They're going to give you back your money and probably then some for the cancellation. But it certainly could happen. I think really when you look at a new ship, you know, I, I think the reason to book it is to be on that particular first sailing as a badge of honor, as a, I was there kind of a moment right there. But you have to understand not everything will work right. Certainly, they're going to take the time to try to get everything as close to as possible with it. But there is a good history of new ship launches, both with Royal Caribbean and other lines as well, in which things have not gone exactly to plan. There could be something, again, that's not available completely, or perhaps it is just simply, you know, a restaurant that isn't quite optimized yet, or there's a feature of a venue that isn't quite running the way that it's supposed to be. Things break down. You'd be surprised, actually, by that. Now, this is all about attitude, quite frankly, in the in the aspect of the cruiser, because you have to be very flexible with it. And if you are flexible, and you were saying, you know what? If I don't get to see this particular show, that's okay. I just want to be on that new ship when it launches. I want to see it and explore it. Cool. That's fantastic. But you can't go in there expecting it to all work 100%, even though you are paying for it. I get that. But if that is important to you, then you need to push back and go back maybe, you know, six months or even a year later, because that breaking in period to work out kind of the issues with the functionality of a ship's offerings, not the safety of the ship, the actual, you know, venues and whatnot, that can take some time, certainly. So my advice, if you're looking to book a brand new cruise on inaugural sailing of Icon or Utopia or whatever ship comes out later, beyond that, a couple things. Number one, I wouldn't tie it into any other bigger part of your trip. What I mean by that is, you know, if you're doing this particular cruise, you're going back to the risk of it being postponed or canceled, what have you. You know, don't plan on like, well, I'm going to go on Icon of the Season of Miami and I'm going to spend also, you know, money now to put down money for like a week at an Airbnb in Miami. You know, because obviously... If the cruise were to be canceled, postponed, whatever, Royal Caribbean is going to refund your money for that, but not for your Airbnb. So be a little flexible with it. Number two, you have to be understanding of what is going to be available on your cruise. We don't know the answer today. We don't we won't know the answer until, quite frankly, maybe until a week or so before that sailing. I mean, these things just have an evolution of themselves. I think the biggest risk is probably, will all the shows in their full format be available? Will it be a sampler? Will it not be available at all? And then, of course, you have some other venues. I think restaurants are usually pretty safe, but, you know, they may not be optimized or running at 100% efficiency. Maybe the escape room isn't running. There's a pecking order of these things. We just simply won't know. So you need to be flexible when it comes to 
your expectations on board. Ultimately, you're booking in a maiden voyage, an inaugural sailing, because you simply want to be able to say you were there. Or, of course, the allure of being on board, a maiden voyage is important to you. That may answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you send me. You can always send me your emails by sending to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalGribbianBlog.com. First email is from Christy Downey from St. Augustine, Florida. Hey, Matt, I recently discovered your podcast while planning our first family cruise on Wonder of the Seas over New Year's of this year. Yes, you read that right. This is our first cruise as a family. I'm the only one in the family of five who's ever cruised before, and it was a concert cruise on another line. Very different experience than what I'm expecting for us to enjoy in December. My first question is, do they require a minimum age at the bar, such as the Mason Jar, Music Hall, or Bionic Bar? While I know these may be more adult places to hang out in late night hours, I know my teens would really enjoy the live music and the robot-made drinks. Would it be possible for us to sit there earlier in the evening or in the afternoon with our teenage kiddos? And the answer is yes, you can definitely do that. There's no minimum age. It's not like, um, well, obviously Las Vegas. There are plenty of bars here in Florida where you can't do that. Nonetheless, you can absolutely bring your kids to the bars. It's totally fine. Second question. What should we expect for New Year's Eve on the ship? Um, so you're going to expect basically a giant floating party. You're going to get a list, actually, of venues that are going to be celebrating New Year's Eve. And World Cup Insurance to give you a different kind of celebration depending on the venue. So the Royal Promenade is going to be like Times Square. It's going to be wall-to-wall people standing around. There'll be a balloon drop, dancing, and all that. There will be in the club venue, there's going to be the, well, club party, right? If you're looking for a club vibe. Boleros is going to have more of a dance party vibe to it. You're going to have a pool party up on the pool deck if that's of interest to you. And you can go in between all these venues. You don't have to commit to one. But basically, there's going to be different venues offering different styles of party. Now, in addition to that, there's probably going to be an opportunity to purchase, for additional cost, reserved seats. As an example, the Rising Tide Bar will almost certainly be quarantined off, locked off, whatever, for people that are paying for it. And there are going to be different venues that will have that opportunity as well, where you can pay for a table or a set area. That way you don't have to compete for that space, uh, but also it has additional cost to it. And again, I, I can't tell you what that cost will be or what venues it'll have, but in the past, we've definitely seen that as well. But of course, you don't have to do any of those things. You can go to other venues, you know, certain things. I'm trying to think of a venue that would be kind of quiet. I remember when we were on Freedom of the Seas for New Year's Eve in 2019, going into 2020, we went down to the Odd Air Club. Uh, this is before Freedom was amplified. That venue is gone now, I believe. And we went down there and there was like nobody there because it wasn't one of the featured venues. There was a bar down there and it was fine for what we were doing. But it kind of depends on what your preference is. Finally, we're taking this cruise to celebrate my husband's 50th birthday. Is there anything I should book in advance around the ship to celebrate on Vessel? Your podcast has been a great resource for a newbie like me. Thank you and have a fantastic day. So for your husband's 50th birthday, there's a couple things you could do. Number one, note on your reservation that it is your husband's birthday. And I'll, I'll, I would basically just let people know, like when you go to a restaurant, that it's your husband's birthday. They'll actually ask if you're celebrating anything. That should be sufficient for what you're doing. You could purchase sell, uh, decorations for the cabin. You can purchase that on the Royal Caribbean website. It's up to you if you want to do that or not. Next, we have an email from John in San Antonio. Hi, Matt. Thanks again for all you do for us Royal Green Cruise fans. My wife and I are booked on a five-night sailing out of Miami on Independence of the Seas next June. We usually cruise from Galveston. We're going to Florida for a friend's wedding. I'm going to rent a car, presumably from the airport. We arrive 
for the wedding. My question is, what's the best way to return the rental? Would you recommend to book the rental return to a local rental branch close to the port? There is one. Or just return the rentals to the airport and Uber to the port. Your guidance is appreciated. We're planning to drive up to Miami from Key Largo on embarkation day. Ideally, we drive in the day before, but we have the wedding that day. This is an interesting question. Um, my instinct, my first thought was to return it to a location close to the port, which means it's going to be a location in downtown Miami. Downtown Miami is just a bridge away from Port Miami. Port Miami is on Dodge Island, and uh, it's just off the, I guess, the coast of downtown, if you want to call it that. It's very close by. So I've done this before in the past. Uh, I actually went and uh, dropped the car off. This is with budget, and this was many years ago. I don't know if they still offer this, but I dropped the car off, and then there was a shuttle uh, from the rental from the budget, a rental car company that drove me to the port. And that was fine. You'd have to double check with the local branch to make sure there is still a option there. The reason why that's good to drop it off at the local branch is that it's much closer to the port than the airport. The airport is, uh, I'm going to guess, 15, 20 minutes easily by highway away from the port area, right? Whereas downtown is like three minutes. I mean, it's literally just drive out of downtown, pick up the bridge or the tunnel go over to Port Miami and you're there. So it's a lot closer. The problem with the local branches is, well, number one, I don't know if they still offer a shuttle service. You'd have to double check that. Number two, they can get inundated very quickly. When I returned my car, there was a huge line of people who were trying to pick up a car. And granted, I was dropping off, so it was very easy. But that could have been an issue where, you know, you never know how long the line is going to be to process or not. Whereas in the airport, it's a factory. I mean, they can handle of people right what should you do i would first of all i would call the local branch so don't call like the 1-800 number find the you know google maps the whatever company you're using find the closest branch if it is in downtown call them up and say hey i'm returning a car in june uh will you offer a shuttle to get me over there if so then that would be your your best bet um alternatively if there isn't a location downtown or if they don't offer a shuttle then you probably might want to go to the airport. It's gonna be you're it's you're gonna like drive in the wrong direction to get to the airport, but maybe it's a little faster. You can make the argument. It's kind of like where would you rather wait in in line, so to speak. There's there's an argument for both. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, John. I think there's just like a preference more than anything. So that hopefully that gives you an idea of where to start. I don't think you can make a between both choices. I don't really think there's a bad choice to make here. Just um. No matter which one you're doing, especially the local branch, try to get there early. Uh, give yourself plenty of time. Don't assume, oh, well, you know, Google Maps says it's only a five-minute drive to the port, so we can drop it off, you know, and be at our check-in time exactly on time. Like, give yourself an extra, gosh, I would say, like, 20 minutes to be able to do it, um, if not more, because you just never know with these local branches. Next is the email from Carrie from Athens, Alabama. I'm going to Norway on Anthem of the Seas, July 2024, and I'm looking at air to see to potentially book my airfare. I noticed that similar to a cruise reservation, you have until final payment of the cruise to pay off the airfare. Are you able to reprice the airfare up until final payment, like the cruise fare? Thanks for all you and your crew do. Yes, you can, carry. I think it's one of the nice benefits of air to sea, especially for international airfare. Yeah, um, you could absolutely do that. So take advantage of that option. It's a little bit cumbersome to do it, obviously, but you can make it work. Um, but yes, you absolutely can do that. And our last email today is from Susan. 
Uh, she has three questions for us. What do most travel agents have systems that signal when there is a price drop in one's cruise? I opted to use an agent for my last three cruises. I emailed my agent after noticing the prices had dropped on all three. The agent stated they don't track price drops, but they will reach out to Royal Caribbean on my behalf. Um, the answer is probably no. Most cruise most travel agents do not have a mechanism for checking it. I know that our sponsor, MEI Travel, they have their own proprietary system that will check it periodically, not automatically. So what does that mean, Susan? That means that, you know, prices can change at any point. They change, you know, minute by minute, uh, potentially. Their system is not that sophisticated. It will check it periodically, usually with new sales or at a given time threshold. I honestly don't know what the... Um, means of which or uh, mechanism is for initiating it. But they do that at least um, on the client's behalf on a somewhat regular basis. Not all cruise not all travel agents do that. You know, that, that's more subject to it. I would say what you're doing is what you should do is that no matter whether the agency claims they offer a price checking mechanism or not, ultimately, I would advise you to check on your own because that's just going to be the most... It's easy to do. You do a mock booking and... You're off to the race. Number two, what is Coastal Kitchen? We've only cruised on Freedom Class ships, staying in a junior suite, just turned diamond. The Coastal Kitchen is a suites-only restaurant. If you're in a junior suite, then you only have access to it for dinner, not for breakfast and lunch. It is open for breakfast and lunch, but it'll be open. That's only available for Grand Suite guests and above. But for you, you can go there for dinner. It's complimentary. And it's uh, Mediterranean, California cuisine is what Royal Caribbean says. Think of it like a main dining room, but for sweet guests only. So complimentary, may as well take advantage of it. And lastly, why doesn't Royal Caribbean allow members to review excursions on their site before booking a cruise? This is a big deal to me. Selecting the right ship, right port, and right excursions are important. That's a really good question. I think ultimately, here's what I would, if, if Royal Caribbean were here, I think what they would say is most people don't care or don't ask for it. It's not a, well, you value that, and I think I value that too. Most people don't care or don't, aren't aware that's even a thing, so they don't bother offering that feature, quite frankly. Whether or not there's a technical limitation, different question altogether. But I ultimately think the reason is there just isn't enough demand for it. Um, I would also add that tours, especially in certain places like, you know, popular ports, whether it's the Caribbean, Alaska, what have you, they're so homogenized at the point, like, there's not that much variation. Now, certainly if you're looking at well, I want to either book itinerary A or itinerary B, and depending on what the, the excursions are, that would change my mind. I would tell you in that situation, your best bet is to look at third-party tours. Remember, third-party tours tend to really follow or be very similar to what the cruise line offers. There'll be more variety with third-party tours, but it should give you a decent idea. Probably not the answer ruling for Susan, <laughs> but I think that's, that's my honest take on it. I could be dead wrong on why they don't offer that, but... I just think that not enough people ask for it and the Royal Caribbean doesn't offer it. Who knows? But thank you for the email, Susan. And thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. You can always email me your questions by emailing it to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, we'll talk again real soon.